Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's your daily dose of Donna. Welcome to the show. Today is Wednesday, August 2nd. We have made it to the middle of the week. Once again, I mean, it's fast, you guys. It comes, the hump day is coming fast every single Wednesday, right? Because I always say it's hump day and then like it's hump day again. Although it does feel like a really long week. Yesterday, I always say Tuesdays are my crazy day. I work my butt off on Tuesdays with just my podcast, my my project, and then I also have clients. I have other clients today. Tuesdays and Wednesdays are my busy day. So um, busy days. So it always feels like a little bit of a struggle to get th- through them, but we do. We get through them, and then we move on to like slide through Thursday and Friday. Tomorrow, I will be spending the day in Malibu with some family who have rented a house. Um, for a few weeks. And so we're just going to go for the day with the kids and with Lance. And that will be fun. If you follow along on Instagram stories, you'll see more. And then of course on Friday, um, I'll be back here. Business is normal. Saturday is Taylor Swift. There's a lot of exciting things happening, which exactly is why I'm stressed out. Because if you guys hear my voice, it sounds like I'm sick and I don't feel sick, but I kind of feel like It sounds like I smoked 475 cigarettes last night. Like I went out, partied, and smoked cigarettes until 4 a.m. That's what my voice sounds like. In reality, we watched The Traders, which I told you guys we're finally watching. My family and I, my kids are obsessed. We're all obsessed. We're probably about halfway through the season, if not more. Watched a couple episodes of that and got in bed and was sleeping by 9.30. Woke up at 5.30. Okay, hot water, hazery, hot water, lemon, and a little honey, Lourdes says. Okay, maybe I'll work on that. I mean, I go straight to the coffee, and then I drink water, but hot water, lemon, and honey. Okay. I need my voice, not only so that I can speak here on the podcast, but so that I can scream for Taylor. Speaking of Taylor, oh, wait, first, before I get into today's stories, we've got so many good stories today. Um, I probably won't even get to all of them, but... Taylor, um, well, okay, first of all, join the Facebook group. Daily Dose of Donna is a free Facebook group. I love it because I feel like it can connect with you guys more in an intimate way. People are posting there constantly. It's a very active group. So people are posting updates about news things, TV shows that they're watching, um, just thoughts. It's a good place for discussion. It's a good place to connect with people that are interested in the same things if you're a fan of the show. So go on over to the Daily Dose of Donna. Yes, Daily Dose of Donna Facebook group. Sarah's asking, do I still want the friendship bracelets? Yes. Will they ever get here on time is the question. Um, That's for Taylor. And then also I am releasing another Patreon episode today, Wednesday. For those of you that don't know, I release an episode a week. So today's episode is coming on out. Sarah, I sent you. I sent you a message on Facebook with my address. So go in there. And then, of course, if you're here on YouTube, make sure to subscribe and, uh, you know, thumbs up, like, all that fun stuff. Okay. Okay. Let's get it going. Taylor Swift, we're, today we're going to talk about two artists who are, okay, I'll send it to you later, two artists who are 
on opposing ends of the two pop artists who are on opposing ends of public opinion today. The first is Taylor Swift, who everyone knows to be like the best. She's obviously got a huge fan base. People love her. Not everyone, but a lot of people love her. And she comes out yesterday, it comes out publicly that she has given $55 million, $55 million to the crew and the cast of the Eras Tour. $55 million, you guys, just put your, like, put your brain around that. I can't even put my brain around giving away $1 million. So $55 million. Now, does she have the money? Of course. Is it, you know... These people work so hard and it's so important. And I think you all know this. If you've ever had um, employees, if you've ever had people that have worked for you, you know how important it is to have an incredible relationship with the people that are under you and that work for you. Because A, it's the morale, it's the dynamic. If you are a good boss and if you're a good leader, people will like you and then they'll want to work harder and then they'll want to show up more. And then there's people like, Yes, the 50 truck drivers each got $100,000 as a bonus. That's true. Thank you, Deanna. It's crazy. So it's so important to treat your people well. Does that mean you have to give them millions of dollars? Absolutely not. People that don't have as much money can do simple things. Um, One of my clients that I just started working with, she sent me a beautiful bouquet of flowers. Like It means so much. So the reason why I bring this up because I'm going to t- Taylor on on Saturday. The reason why I bring this up is because if you compare her to Lizzo. So if you guys are living under a rock, which I know if you're listening to the show and watching the show on YouTube or TikTok, 100% you're not living under a rock. You know what's going on with Lizzo. All right. So Lizzo, the, the very, very famous um, public figure and pop star, um, the, the most body accepting, coming off as like this this wonderful, I love all human being has had the worst day, has had the worst 24 hours of her life. Um, I saw one article saying like, things are not good as hell for Lizzo right now. So Lizzo has been slapped with a lawsuit by three different dancers on her tour. And these are three of her former dancers that have accused not only Lizzo, but her touring company, Big Girl, I believe it's Big Girl Productions. And then it's also one of her um, choreographers, Shirley. She's facing accusations of sexual harassment and creating a hostile work environment in a lawsuit that was filed by three of her former dancers. Also, like I said, the production company and dance captain, Shirlene Quigley, are named in the lawsuit. So this is the craziest thing because Lizzo and her team have been so outspoken about, you know, accepting every everybody and everybody and being so um, pro-women and pro-others. And all of a sudden, all this stuff is coming out that not only does she weight shame her dancers and demean them, she demoralizes them. She puts them in awful situations. The, the worst, worst story 
has to do with when they all went to Amsterdam in February during the tour. And Lizzo took them to an Amsterdam strip club after one of the shows. She began inviting these cast members to take turns touching the nude performers, catching – am I allowed to say this stuff on YouTube, y'all? Dildos launched from the performers' Vs and eating bananas protruding from the performers' Vs. Like, I have not been to Amsterdam, but I've been to Thailand, and there's all these kinds of crazy sex shows that you see the – like, crazy things like this, right? Where people are, like, shooting darts out of down there to pop balloons in other people's mouths. Like, it's crazy, crazy stuff. So it is really, really upsetting. It's really upsetting. It's really disturbing. One of the dancers alleges that Lizzo pressured and goaded her into touching the breast, despite her saying she didn't want to. Then um, after the incident, the singer is said to have badgered a member of her security team to get on stage where she pulled down his pants, hit him with whips, yelling, take it off. See, part of me, like when I first heard this was like, whoa, this is kind of crazy. And then I thought to myself, Was this just like a crazy, fun, drunk night that went a little out of control? But the thing is, this is not you going out with a bunch of your girlfriends. This is you going out with a bunch of your employees. And you are the boss and you're in charge for their employment. And the second that that happens, whoa. We're talking about like a very, very different kind of toxic work environment. Because Whether or not these dancers were enjoying themselves, which by the way, it's very possible that they were having fun in the moment, which it doesn't sound like because I don't know, personally, I'm not really into eating bananas out of women vaginas. But if, even if they were having a good time in the moment, maybe drunk, whatever, it's still very wrong, right? It's still absolutely wrong. And if she was just the story at first, I'm like, is Lizzo just some really crazy wild party animal and just like wanted to have fun? But then you start to read that actually from multiple sources, Lizzo is, has many people that are corroborating with the story that Lizzo was incredibly gaslighting, aggressive, mean, intimidating, taking people down, saying horrible things to them. Um, It has been claimed that she subjected her dancers to excruciating 12-hour rehearsals and she would fire them if she wasn't happy with their performances. At first, when I heard that she weight-shamed women, I thought, oh my God, is she weight-shaming them because they're losing weight? You know, like if they're dancing a lot on rehearsals, maybe they're losing weight. No, she was weight-shaming them that they couldn't keep up and they were gaining too much weight of all people to speak this way. Um, she suspic- She she had a suspicion that her dancers were drinking before the shows and she was not happy about it. So then that's why she put them through this. Um, then apparently she was, you know, she would yell at these women. She would say, you're so lucky. She, the dancers thought that you, you're so effing lucky. The dancers thought that she was going to hit her or they were going to be hit by her. And meanwhile, Charlene Quigley, who's the head choreographer, was, um, oh my gosh, was uh, attempting to convert these dancers to her religion. Okay. Charlene Quigley apparently is a very, very religious, God-loving woman. And even yesterday, after these allegations were out, which is a crazy big story, Instead of talking about it or not saying anything at all, she goes on her Instagram stories, this Shirlene, and talks about how 
Um, you know, God is so amazing and hope everyone just like has an amazing day with God. It is so upsetting. Um, apparently also Shirlene tried to shame those who had premarital sex, discussed virginity of the plaintiffs out loud. Um, now, meanwhile, some of Lizzo's ex-employees have come forward, and this is when you know it's bad, right? Her former creative director, uh, a person named Quinn Wilson, and dancer Courtney Hollenquest are not part of the lawsuit, but are all corroborating, saying, I'm so glad you're coming and bringing this to light. Also, one of the former directors of a documentary about Lizzo, which I haven't seen that documentary, but there was a documentary, has said that she worked for two um, her name is Sophia Nolly Allison, and she said that she worked with Lizzo for two weeks and decided to walk away from working with this as a director, which, by the way, is a huge job for any sort of documentary director. And she decided to jump out and not work with her because she said that in 2019 she was traveling with Lizzo and she was treated by such with such disrespect by her. She witnessed how arrogant, self-centered, and unkind she is. She was not protect protected. She was thrown into a shitty situation with little support. My spirit said to run as fast as you effing can. I'm so gra grateful I trusted my gut. I felt gaslit. I was deeply hurt, but I've healed. Okay. So now that we know all this information, at first when you hear this, so you know how everyone's always like, your inclination should be to believe women. Here is a situation where now all of a sudden it's like, okay, you should believe the women, but also my first thought is, who are these dancers? Are they getting a lot of money? Are they struggling right now? Let's now look at this, the case. But I can tell you within 24 hours of hearing all of these stories that corroborate, which because I'll tell you, it usually doesn't happen this way. There's always usually one or two people at least that come out and say, this is not true. I have worked with Lizzo for many years. She is an intelligent, smart woman, and she loves her cast. She loves her crew. Like if a story like this came out about Taylor Swift or about Beyonce or about – I'm just ifing this because I don't actually know. I would imagine so many people would immediately come to the, the performer's defense. Silence. Silencia. Have you heard anything positive? It's now 24 hours since the story broke. I've not heard a story. Not one story of someone saying, no, man, I love working with Lizzo. She's the best. She's so fun. Nothing. That's weird, especially in the age of TikTok where everyone can openly talk about everything. Now, a couple of things have happened since then. Beyonce had her was on tour yesterday. She has a very, very big song called Break My Soul where she has a, a portion of the song where she shouts out really successful, amazing black female entertainers. She talks about Erica Badu. She talks about Kelly Rowland. She throws out a bunch of names. Lizzo was one of the names. Last night, that lyric was removed. She did not say Lizzo's names. Lizzo's name. The timing is too suspect. It's not a flub. Beyonce's way too professional. Beyonce pulled the name because Beyonce either has some personal stories in her own world where she knows and and or doesn't want to shout out someone who has done something that horrible. But this world is small. The world of onstage performers, the world of background dancers, choreographers, tour managers, etc. And I'm shocked. What I'm shocked about is that if 
Lizzo has actually acted inappropriately for so many years. I mean, this director is saying 2019, you guys, that's a year before the pandemic. We're talking years and years and years of this. Like we're talking during all the time where she had the big TikTok, you know, it's about damn time. Big like song that we were all doing every day. The fact that not one person was brave enough to come out and say like Lizzo is a monster. It goes to show how scared people are to speak against powerful women or powerful um, men, powerful people. You know, Lizzo was at the top of her game. These these, um, dancers and now other people that are speaking out are really brave. They're really brave to be speaking out against someone who's so universally kind of accepted and loved as Lizzo. And I'm sure that at first they thought people would just immediately not believe them and think maybe they were after like a money grab. But now I think with so many other people corroborating, I think it's true. It's all alleged still. Obviously, everyone's innocent until proven guilty. But let's go back to like a couple people that this has happened to. People that you think are the nicest, most amazing people because that's what they play online. That's what they play on TV. That's what they play on stage. That's what they play in their, you know, public persona. Ellen DeGeneres, James Corden. Those are two people that come to mind immediately. My first story that I ever heard about Ellen DeGeneres in a negative way was probably 15 years ago, maybe more. I was working in casting, no, more than 15 years ago, probably. I was working in casting for a executive producer. I mean, sorry, I was working with a boss of mine who I love dearly. And he had worked on a variety of shows in the past with other casting directors. And this other casting director who I I now am close with, she had told him a story where she worked on Ellen, the sitcom. And if you remember, Ellen, the sitcom, was back in the 90s before Ellen DeGeneres actually came out. Ellen came out on the sitcom, which eventually ended up leading to what is kind of a ratings dive, and Ellen did not get picked up as the sitcom anymore. But this was on the sitcom before Ellen DeGeneres was Ellen DeGeneres, if you know what I mean. She was a comedian. She was a sitcom star, but she wasn't the Ellen that we all know, the Ellen that has the Kardashians in her back pocket. She wasn't that. And she was apparently on that sitcom, such a torture, such an awful human being to so many people. And the story that I allegedly heard was in a meeting, in a conference room, she took a salad and threw it. This I'm pretty sure it was a salad. Maybe it was like a, a Coke or like a drink. She threw something food-wise. This was so many years ago I heard this story. At the casting director. They were very close. And then they aren't close anymore. Um, so there were these rumors that were swirling. But no one was loud and open about it until people were loud and open about it. And then all of a sudden, these stories started to come out. It is really disappointing when you have someone like an Ellen DeGeneres. No, I heard the story, but I wasn't there. That's why I say the word alleged. I also am telling you, 
I mean, I'm, I'm telling you what happened. I just can't remember the detail if it was a salad or a Coke, but it was something during lunch. And I heard multiple stories about what a tough woman Ellen was working on that sitcom to the crew. These stories that you hear, it's where there's smoke, there's fire type stories. You also heard the same similar things about James Corden being awful to his crew. I personally had a very, um, I had no, you know, inner workings with the James Corden circle, but I just think when there's smoke, there's fire. And I do believe that it's really disappointing as a, as a fan, as a public like audience to see someone that presents themselves as like the most loving, the most giving, the most funny, the most, you know, down to earth, grounded, accepting, tolerating person, which all three of them are in their public persona, right? James Corden, Ellen DeGeneres, Lizzo now add to the list. And then you find out like they are the opposite behind closed doors. That is so sad. It's a, it's a bummer. So we'll see what happens to Lizzo. My guess is it's not going to be good. My guess is she's going to go through a long period of time where people are not going to want to support her. Now, she's also in the credits of, oh, another person that this was always so shocking to, obviously, it isn't anymore, is Bethany. Bethany, anyone that's worked with Bethany in the past has negative things to say. In fact, I posted something on my TikTok the other day, and one of the comments is someone that I know personally. And I told her I would text her. I haven't texted her yet. And she said, I know multiple stories about people who have worked with her. She is not a safe, safe human. It's a public comment on my TikTok. I'm not sharing anything separately. But I just think it's so crazy because we always assume the best of people. Don't you guys think that as human beings, as fans, we always assume the best of people? And then when you find things out, you're like, shit. Like another one bites the dust, right? It's like when you find out that, you know, these great people have like horrible child porn associations or, um, you know, like really awful, tragic histories that you didn't know about. And you're like, how can I like you anymore? How can I ever like you again? And meanwhile, she's in Barbie. The Lizzo song opens up the Barbie movie, which is the biggest movie right now for two weeks. And it's still going to be big every weekend. And like, it sucks because it kind of taints. That's what she said. It kind of taints that like moment, right? Like, I love that song. We listened to the Lizzo song and I will still listen to it for now, but like, it sucks. It just sucks. The whole thing sucks. Okay. We're going to move on to a couple other stories. Um, Real Houses of Beverly Hills, a couple things. Yesterday, I posted about it in my Facebook group. I like to sometimes have on Peacock old episodes of Real Housewives on just because if it's quiet and I have to just do computer work, it will be here. It will be in the background. And so I have season one of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills on and I posted it on my TikTok and of course on the Facebook group, the story. Um, it's season one of Beverly Hills and it's Kyla Mauricio. And Portia, the youngest daughter, is so young. She's like three or two. She's so freaking cute. And Mauricio wants to get away for three nights with Kyle. Remember, she has three other daughters. One of them at this point is not even, I don't think, living in the house anymore. I think she was over 18, Farah, And the other two are old or teenagers, like like 13, you know, like a, could function on their own, not on their own, but like with a babysitter or a nanny easily. The three-year-old, I understand, maybe needs a little bit more um, help, of course. 
And Mauricio wanted to go to Napa. They were going on this bike charity ride. And Mauricio wanted to go to Napa for three nights for a romantic getaway with his wife. The anxiety that Kyle had over this, how she said, I do not want to leave my kids ever. There's no one more important to spend time with than my kids, which by the way, I feel that too. And I would happily go away with my husband for three nights, knowing that they were taken care of with a like a solid babysitter, nanny, et cetera, right? The fact that she says this on camera, now this comes right after a scene where she's with Kim Richards, her sister, and Kim is like, you're not taking your kids? I would never go without taking my kids. I would take my kids everywhere. I think there's some sort of weird codependent relationship that Kim and Kyle had with their daughters or their kids, I should say. I mean, we saw it throughout the seasons, and I think the only reason that it felt like appropriate is because she was also, you know, spending so much time with Mauricio, which by the way, she calls Mauricio Maurice so many times in that first season. She and Kim both call him Maurice. What's up with that? But I just think it's interesting. Can you imagine being on camera in front of your husband? Like Lance would be, I think, a little bit bummed if on camera, I was like, I don't want to get away with, alone with you for three days. I want to be with my kids. I'm scared to be alone with you without my kids. Like, I find it really, really interesting. I thought the whole scene was so interesting. Now, cut to where we are in 2023. Do I think that Kyle and Mauricio are separated? I don't know anymore, you guys. No one knows because she was obviously with Morgan Wade all weekend shooting this documentary now about her life. But then she was also spotted, according to Bravo and Cocktails, which is an Instagram account I follow, she was also spotted with Mauricio at some sushi restaurant in Aspen on a Saturday night or Sunday night or whatever. So like, what's going on? We need to know. Well, I guess we don't need to know, but we will find out. But like, we're so invested. And this, I need to know. Dying to know. Oh, they were cuddling up, Ray? I don't know. My first thought with the Morgan Wade documentary, by the way, I didn't say this on the show, is that love makes you do really weird things. If you have feelings for someone and you want to spend all your time with them, I'll get into that, and you want to spend all your time with them and you want to see them at all possible you know, instances and, and maybe travel with them or whatever, but you really can't because you're in a relationship and it would spark a lot of public conversation if you're having an affair, I believe that I I feel like you find reasons that you work together, that you have to be on tour with them. You find reasons to spend your time together is all my thought. No confirmation. That's just my thinking. Um, someone asked about my Tumblr. I thought it was on my Amazon store. It's called Hydra Peak. I get asked this every day because I use this every day. Yes, I do wash it. I think I bought it from Marshalls or TJ Maxx. Should I be like Bethany and do a a water, a water TikTok? All right, let's keep going. Another Erica, I mean, another Real Housewives of Beverly Hills story, Erica Jane. All those that don't believe Erica's story or all those that think that Erica was telling the truth, like, let's talk about this. Erica Jane was asked by, by Andy Cohen on Watch What Happens Live, Okay, how did you lose this weight or whatever? Like, you are a whisper of yourself is what he said. And she said, it's not Ozempic. 
it's menopause. I have not gone through menopause. Menopause. I'm not premenopausal yet. I'm 42. I imagine it's going to happen in the next, you know, whatever, five-ish years. I don't know. I want one of you ladies who have been through menopause to tell me, did you lose weight? Tell me one person here who has lost weight through menopause. Lots and lots of people are saying, never, never, no, 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 you gain weight, you gain weight, you gain weight. That's my opinion too. I've never once heard anyone lose weight during menopause. So why do we try to play this game? And I'm not a huge Erica Jane fan. I've never really been. She's, she, like, I was not, I liked Erica Jane season one. And I think that was it when she lost her shit on Denise. I mean, not Denise. What was her name? Um, Eileen. When she lost her shit on Eileen in that, you know, Hong Kong episode, I turned on her so fast. I, I, I don't like that. That was a really, really mean act. But so many, um, so many things that she does and says are so suspect to me as attention grabbing, as lying, as confusing. Do I think she's probably an amazing performer? Do I think she's beautiful? Do I think she's such a star on TV? All things, yes. I don't like being lied to. If she wanted to say, it's none of your business, Andy, I'll leave it up to your imagination. I would have appreciated that more. You don't have to answer, but don't tell me it's menopause. Because I think that's going to make every single menopausal woman out there, thank you for the hat, I think it's going to make every single menopausal woman out there feel 10 times worse about themselves. That's like people saying, I don't want to call anyone out, but that's like people saying, oh, I just started working out and that's why I'm skinny. Well, listen, a lot of people work out six days a week, five days a week, and they're not skinny. It's not a one and done thing. I don't like it. It makes me feel yucky. And you know what? She was, I forget the um, comedian's name, something. Is it Joanne? Some, maybe Joanne Crawford? Am I making that up? Who was next to her? Um, I'll find out in just a second. Erica Jane, Watch What Happens Live. She's on Only Murders in the Building, which is also so funny. Um, Erica Jane. Let me see. Erica Jane denies using Ozempic for dramatic weight loss. Oh, Jackie Hoffman. I said Joanna. What did I say? Um, Jackie Hoffman is on um, Only Murders in the Building. You guys have to watch it. It's so good. And Jackie Hoffman says, who loses weight in menopause? I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. And she's literally half her body. So I don't know, you guys. Um, now she did say, here's what, let me just start off by saying, I want to make sure I don't trigger anybody because we have this conversation in Beverly Hills and we have a cast member with an eating disorder who's Crystal Minkoff, who's, um, struggled with bulimia and body dysmorphia, but she did say that she did it hormonally. And Andy said, not ozempically. And she says, I was going through menopause. So I took it all down. And then she goes, I went to the doctor and I said, get it off. What does that even mean? I'm going to go to my doctor and say, get it, get it off. Now, again, this is very possibly a use of words. I'm not on Ozempic, but I am on semi-glutide. I'm on any of that. So 
don't take it for anyone out there that is, you know, triggered or feeling a little bit upset about hearing that because you're currently going through menopause and maybe you're feeling bad about yourself, not feeling good, you're gaining weight. Please take what she's saying with a grain of like a small, tiny grain of salt. Like she is, it's not, I don't want anyone out there to feel bad about themselves if they're going through something when she's out there saying like, oh, it's just men. No. Okay. And that's important for you guys to know because I tend to go bad hard on myself when I hear people say like, I just work out. Oh, oh, do ya, do ya. Cool. Good luck in life. Okay, what other stories do I want to? Do we have to hear about Kelly Ripa and her sex life anymore? Kelly Ripa has become synonymous with. It should be called live instead of live with Kelly and Mark. It should be called sex with Kelly and Mark every single morning at nine a.m. Drives me nuts. Um. I like Kelly Ripa and I actually liked her story, her book. I told you I listened to her audible of her like short stories. It's a great book. I can't remember what it's called right now off the top of my head, but it's a great book. And I like Mark Consuelos. Handsome. So cute, right? She has an, a podcast and she was talking about it. She was talking on her podcast about the fact that her eight-year-old daughter, Lola, walked in on her and Mark having sex in Italy and her daughter walked in and then they they um, had eye contact. She had eye contact with her eight-year-old daughter while having sex. Now, number one, TMI. Number two, poor eight-year-old who's now a 22-year-old or something. I don't know how old she is actually, but she's an adult. And number three, it's happened to me too. (laughs) I didn't walk in on my parents, thank God, because I would literally, you know, probably want to, I would probably never want to have sex again in my life or something if I did. But it's happened to me and I wasn't the person walking in, if you know what I mean. I'm going to leave it at that. But I'm not putting it on my podcast. At this point, I think it's kind of like a joke. Like how many times can we talk about sex between Mark and I? Maybe they have like a fan club of women out there who it's like their porn that they like can hear about Mark and Kelly and their sex life. Just curious, like who's the audience there? (laughs) Jamie, I just did. I just told them, but I didn't tell you. Got a little heart. Um, I just referred. I just referred to it. Okay. Um, Finally, I will talk about one more story that I thought was interesting. Paul Nassif, just because I was talking about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, said that Real Housewives, shooting Real Housewives of Beverly Hills did lead to their eventual divorce. He and um, Maloof, Adrian Maloof who he was married to on the first few seasons. They had this really, really odd relationship where I felt like they loved each other so much, but they picked on each other. They were really kind of tough on each other. There was a lot of bickering. There was a lot of fun like banter. Um, He ended up going over to Botched, uh, the show Botched, which he's a plastic surgeon with Terry Dubrow. Is that show even on anymore? I don't watch it. And she eventually left Real Housewives. But yes, they got a divorce. What we find out later on in the article, which was basically. You join a reality show. When you join a reality show, I think you have to understand that you're going to be put under pressure and be in a situation where you will definitely um, be put under scrutiny right? You're going to see things that you don't like. You're going to be tougher on yourself. 
And I don't think in general reality shows are good for marriages. So I find it an interesting interesting thing that this became a conversation. But at the end of the day, I really do believe that we have to just expect that technically reality is um, is a new phenomenon, right? Like we just started reality shows in the last, what, 30 years? I think it was about 10 years old when Real, Real World um, New York started in the 90s. Um, 30 years long is not like maybe enough time to really understand the long-term effects of reality shows, of the kids on reality shows. We're starting to see it with a lot of like former kids like the Duggars and the um, Sister Wives. When is that coming back? So soon, I hope. Um, And John and Kate Plus 8, like we're seeing a lot of that kind of world coming up now, the dance moms, kids, et cetera. But I really think in about 20 years, 50 years, we're going to have a crazy site like – sociological study on the damage that reality shows and reality TV has done long-term on mental health, on happiness, on marriages, on children, on families, on social currency, on all those things. So it's a really, really interesting um, story. And I just leave you with this idea that if you're out there trying to get on a reality show, just know your family will be affected, your marriages can be affected, your career will be affected, and this can also happen positively. It's not only negative, right? So it's really a risk. It is always a risk. That that goes through, that. that's for anyone. Because like, look at Michaela, the makeup girl on TikTok who went viral um, and her whole life has changed because of going viral on TikTok as a makeup artist. And meanwhile, she's never had more controversy, controversy right? So it's 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 a give and take. Put yourself out there online or on TV and you will run the risk of having your life being made or falling apart. Now, that being said, Big Brother, we have made it. It's August 2nd. Big Brother is starting tonight. Who's watching? I'm on the West Coast, so I don't know exactly. You guys have to tell me, Big Brother fans. I don't know. Will I be getting it live? I heard you can watch the live feed on Paramount+. Plus. I'm going to be checking that out today as my behind-the-scenes stuff. You guys tell me. If you are a Big Brother fan, you must join my Facebook group. I think I'll start like one of those chats about it. I have a feeling that we're going to have a huge Big Brother thing. Maybe I'll do special Big Brother episodes on Patreon too. I can't wait. The, the group looks amazing. They look all ages, all races, all sexual orientations, like all everything. I am excited. Feels very season one, season two. Let's get into it. Let's enjoy ourselves while it's so hot this August. Um, And I told you that uh, Lance will be traveling in and out, so I'm going to have a lot of extra time to hang out with you guys. So make sure to follow along here. If you're on TikTok, follow along. If you're on here on YouTube and you want more info about this stuff, make sure to subscribe below and we'll get into it all. Um, as we continue and yeah, join my Patreon because today on today's Patreon episode, I'm going to be breaking down, um, the update between Dancing with the Stars, Caitlin and, and Bachelorette, Caitlin Bristow and Jason Tardick, the rumors around their relationship. I'm going to be talking about Zachary Ty Bryan, the former son of, um, Home Improvement, the show. He was the middle child on that show and my stories as he's very much in the news. And we're going to go deeper into a few different other stories that we've been talking about this week and other weeks. And then I'm also going to tell you some personal things that have been going on with me and some updates. So 
Thank you so much, Lourdes. You're the best. Love you guys. And I will see you tomorrow. Bye.